Hello and welcome to Kohler Commentary. It's your host, Unji Kohler, and today I'm joined by Mina Park, a creative and strategist with over 10 years of experience in entertainment and marketing. In 2018, she co-founded a social media agency called Crispy Chicken, securing MTV as their first client. Mina has created content that has garnered hundreds of millions of views online and has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Adweek. And I'm so excited she has joined me to talk about her journey today. Welcome, Mina. Thanks for having me. It's kind of weird uh, hearing you read that out in front of me. I'm like, oh. You know, just bragging about all that you've already accomplished. Um, So big props to you. Hey, well, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. It's a little weird because as obviously we're here talking about like your career and and your journey to get to where you are today. I actually first knew, it's very weird for me to call you just Mina because I know her (laughs) as Mina Onni and Onni is just like kind of a term for Koreans to use when like younger female calls an older female Onni, even if they're not like actual sisters since Mina is Okay, I'm just gonna do Onni until I decide to like slowly let that <laughs> fade away. But Mina Onni was like one of my sister's really good friends growing up, and we are originally connected through youth group back in the day. And I remember really being like, "Wow, Mina Onni has the power to get my sister to learn the electric or the bass or something." And then they like perform <laughs> Switchfoot, Dare You to Move on the stage with like smoke and all these things. You have always been this like very cool and creative person since the very beginning and since for me growing up church and like all the unnies were like huge I guess role models for me I was like oh Mina Unni is the one that's like super fun and creative and makes me want to attend all the retreats because of the skits that you make and stuff like that and clearly that was a huge factor in your success today right oh man I totally forgot about like retreat skits and yeah all that. so that's a <laughs> nice throwback but no no you're way too sweet but yeah you're always like the little sister, you know, growing up. And I remember talking to your sister, your actual sister, Jessica, when you're getting married and then now you're mom and we're like, oh my gosh, she's not so little anymore. I know. That's pretty wild. Yeah. I think I forget that there are some stuff that happened in my life too. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But since I know you mainly as that, and even though we've connected through UT and we've been through the same fellowship and things like that, I still feel like I don't know this whole other side of you, even though I've like fangirled and witnessed things over social media. I thought it would be really fun for you to come on the pod and just be able to like share that journey. If you want to do yourself a little more justice and share kind of the steps or who Mina Park is and what that journey was like for you to ultimately lead you today as co-founder of Crispy Chicken. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a loaded question. I saw that yeah. in your pre-interviews. And I was like, who is Mina Park? It's very like, I'm discovering this in therapy right now too. <laughs> but um, I guess the long story short, how I got to this point, I guess specifically from a creative standpoint. Yeah, so I grew up in Dallas, um, went to school in Austin. Frankly, like I didn't know I could work in creative in the field that I am right now in terms of actually creating content. I don't know. I think there was like a a stigma of like, you have to be a filmmaker or you have to be like super artsy to like actually make this into a career. And so for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to major in marketing and business Mm -hmm. because that seemed like kind of the responsible like route to take. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, that's, yeah, like you could still be creative in marketing. And so in my head, I was like, okay, that's seems like, you know, a plausible route. And so, yeah, it was almost, I was, it was too late for me to then like 
major in film because just like the amount of credits that it takes for to get a film degree with business degree so yeah so I didn't I was just like okay I'll just go do marketing and see see what's good so ended up moving to LA pretty much right after graduating and then I found a job at an ad agency that was in entertainment so we were mainly making like movie posters or like digital campaigns for those movies. And then, yeah, after a couple years, it was kind of a stereotypical agency life of just like working a lot of hours. And I was more on the account side. I was still like brainstorming and coming up with ideas, but more so helping on the account side. And I was just like, "Ah, I don't, I don't think this is what I want to do. I really would love to make skits and like would Mm. love to make content. But again, I still just didn't know like how, how I would get paid to do that. And then just like randomly, I got this gig with Major League Baseball called the MLB Fan Cave, which is like a really weird thing to describe to people. I won't go yeah, that's fully. That's like every, everybody's dream job, like Matt. Yeah. <laughs> like I just saw an ad that was like, do you want to watch every baseball game and live in New York and like make content? And I was like, sure. <laughs> so I ended up just applying, not thinking I would get it, you know, and then lo and behold, I got an email saying, hey, like, let's go through this interview process. And so, yeah, it was kind of one of those weird coincidences or I don't know, it was definitely, I guess, fate, <laughs> destiny for it to to kind of fall into my lap. And so I ended up getting it, went to New York. That was kind of really where I started my social media journey and like making oh. content for social media. It opened up the doors into sports um, because it was only like a one season gig. And then I got a job at Fox Sports after that, working in social media. Yeah. And then worked there for four years, went to the Rams for a hot year. And then... Oh, congrats on the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot to do with uh, the Super Bowl win. Clearly. Um, Yeah, clearly. My impact there was short, but it was felt... Yeah. And so from there, I started working on my business, you know, and then we just got the ball rolling and was like, should I just go full time? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then, yeah, it's been a wild ride. It's been four years, four years of that. So so. the MLB fan cave is kind of like that shifting factor that kind of helped you ultimately make that transition. What what was the, the interview process like? I'm curious. Yeah, it's really weird. And I would go Google MLB Fan Cave. If whoever's listening, that's like, I have no idea what this is because it is kind of hard to explain. It was like a reality uh-huh. show slash content creator. I don't know. It was, it was weird. But uh-huh. um, the process was basically like initially when you submitted, I had to make like a one minute video about like why I should be part of it. And in my head, I was like, oh, like I basically sold them that I'm a marketing degree. Like I understand this is a marketing initiative for MLB and that like, I'm not going just to have fun. Obviously that's part of it, but like, I am Mm. very aware that, you know, what your goals are. And so I, hopefully that made me stand out. They're like, okay, Mm. she knows what this is about and how to like help us get to the next level. So then after that, they had this online campaign period for like 30 days. You had to like try to get people to vote for you online. Oh, okay. Um, I think I remember seeing that back then. Yeah. So then I started making memes. I started making skits just to like, again, get online votes. And frankly, I don't think it was based off of online votes. It was more so like, and again, this is my theory is that they just wanted clicks on the website and for people for brand awareness for people to know what this is. But also I use this as an opportunity to like showcase my creativity. Yeah. What kind of skits can we do? Like I can't compete against 
there was a guy who won um god i forgot what reality show he he was on a reality show had like thousands and thousands of followers so it's just like i can't compete against a dude that has like that is an influencer you know what i mean um so yeah so it was more so like how do i just show them like what what i can do and hopefully that sticks out right so i ended up making it to the next round which was the final round where they flew 30 of us to arizona which is where spring training is for half of the league in arizona they made us go through multiple like different interviews and like different scenarios where they made us like interview someone you know on tv doing a bunch of different stuff so that was the last process and then they chose nine of us and then we moved to new york and then started making content out there so yeah it was definitely an experience i haven't done before in 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 that sense of like casting and like interviewing but it was a lot of fun and you you've met like some other creatives during that journey that's kind of like they've stuck together as friends or is like everyone's kind of gone their own ways yeah I'm pretty close with right now like three or four of them a couple of them I speak to more on like a regular basis and then others you know it's tough when you're not in the same city or like you know that to not hang out but we're definitely close in that sense of like you can hit them up if you're in town or whatnot and, and they'll always pick up and then, yeah, and then Ricardo, who's my business partner currently, oh, I actually met him. So is he did it the year before, which is really funny. Oh. He got casted the year before, but then he ended up getting like a, a PR gig with MLB the year after. So he oh. was working on the MLB side yeah. during my year. So we didn't really hang out much because it was like we were talent or whatever. And, we, and they didn't want to like intermingle with us too much. But that's how I met him was through that experience. Oh. And then he also moved back to LA after... So yeah, and then we just kept hanging out. Yeah, so I met him through this experience. So it for sure was kind of like a catalyst to a lot of things yeah. in my life today. So yeah, I was grateful. wondering how you guys connected too. Because did he work in Fox or the Rams as well? Or just like then you no. guys just shared space in the city? Yeah, yeah. He he worked at some other like a media company that he didn't really work too much in sports. So I went full on in the sports route after. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we were just friends. Go, why did you choose to go, I guess, full on to, into sports after MLB? Was that something you always planned or was it kind of like a better next step? Yeah, it wasn't something that I planned. It was, it just made sense from like doing this whole like sports thing at, in New York. And then it was funny because Fox Sports at the time launched their new sports network. So they were hiring and mm. it just kind of worked out. And like, yeah, I never thought of working in sports like as like a career you know in college I always wanted to do music yeah and I, mean, I, I still haven't worked been in interested in you've been interested in sports right like yeah like I liked sports which which is why I think after working like five years in sports I was like I, yeah. I gotta get out because it was like too much sports mm-hmm. all the time and sports you know you work a lot of weird hours holidays nights weekends it's mm-hmm. always like the worst times so yeah I was I was eventually trying to get out of sports and I've always liked entertainment and getting back into that and so was very fortunate to be able to like transition from sports back because it's really hard to do so. Like I was struggling to get interviews um, outside of sports right? because they're like, oh, all you know is, yeah. yeah. But I'm like, you can, people are smart. Like people can yeah, like, you can change <laughs> yeah, like you can apply things you learned in one area to another. So I'm really happy that I was able to kind of get out a little bit. Wait, so then after Fox Sports and, and the Rams or Rams is with Fox Sports? No, uh, I left Fox Sports, went to Rams for like a year. And then you started Crispy Chicken right after that? 
Yeah, so I kind of started while I was at the Rams. Um, uh-huh. Ricardo was working full time on crispy chicken because um, oh, he was freelancing okay. at the time. And so I was basically working like nights and weekends at the time and just like helping him out to try to get, you know, some some um, momentum going because, you know, we we're trying to be smart about it. And then like, you know, obviously not for me to not quit a full-time job yeah, and then we yeah. don't have any money yeah. or any prospects. So yeah, it was really just like, let's see if we can get any momentum. And then we started to get momentum. And then, yeah, it was ultimately at that point, it was like, I got to make a decision. And that's, I made a decision and went for it. And good decision. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess before we move into the meat of our conversation, working in sports, being an Asian American woman in sports, I think just like kind of curious, maybe like a high and a low of what that kind of job was Mm. like for you and in those identities because I know that's like a little bit difficult to be a woman in sports in certain ways you know so I wasn't sure I've never heard that experience from you yeah I mean being a woman in sports is very hard and it's still very hard even though I've been removed from it for like four years now you hope to see some progression and obviously there's still a lot of issues in the media front and just like you know on the field as well or court or wherever women athletes are My experience, yeah, I mean, there weren't a lot of other Asian women. There weren't a lot of diversity, generally, just women (laughs) and and diversity race, like, you know, and then factor that into being a a woman of color is also very rare. So, yeah, I mean, you're in rooms where you'll you'll hear comments or jokes, as they call Mm. it, and you're kind of like, that's, you know, that's not a, uh you shouldn't say that. Right. Um, yeah. Or you just feel like you're not being heard. So, yeah, I think that's I don't know. It, it's it sucks to say, but a lot of times you kind of just have to like nod in the moment and just kind of go with it or like, you know, you try to be vocal. But it is really tough. Right. If you don't have the support of even other like women or other people of color yeah. to be like you know, standing in solidarity with you yeah. or yeah. if it just feels like you're by yourself um, kind of creating some noise but you know it's that's kind of was my experience I was really fortunate though that I was in a group and department that really like embraced me and like helped Mm. me like I would pitch some wild ideas and my bosses were like go for it um so yeah in a lot of ways like I felt supported but I don't yeah I can't speak for maybe everyone else (laughs) that was you know in those environments but yeah yeah I feel like I see you like kind of like reflecting back on those years and it's also like a, a new chapter has begun. But I'm curious, so as you started your journey in this career path, um, how that response was like even just being in a Korean household and like this is a more of a, I think like a radical job, especially when like, you know, we, we do like look for like stability or like security mm. in certain ways. And so for the most part, I feel like your parents are like so cool. So I feel like I don't know if they, <laughs> they actually had a problem or not, but like in general, what, what, what were some of those either negative comments or doubts that might have seeped in because of this more like radical journey you you embarked on? Yeah, I mean, yeah, my parents have been super supportive in the sense that, yeah, like they never really told me no, which I think was, you know, awesome to have growing up. I know in high school when we were like deciding what majors, you know, I should go into college, I was like, I think I can do marketing, you know? And they were like, maybe like engineering. What do you want? Because, you know, I'm good at math. I was like, yeah, you know, it's probably more stable. And 
whatnot. So they would interject more like that versus being like, no, you can't do like marketing or you're going to be a doctor. Like, and so, yeah, I'm very grateful in that regards. I didn't feel too much pressure. And yeah. And I think also just like, hopefully, again, speaking for them that they understood, I guess, my ambition and like personality of like, I'm going to figure it out or I'm going to like try to go get a job or like not to like, you know, sit around, etc. So I think after a few times like once I got the MLB gig they were supportive of me of like quitting and going for it too and then I think through that process they're like okay Mina's I don't know what she's doing but like clearly she knows what she's doing yeah Yeah, like she has a vision or she's gonna you know get like I don't even know if they understand what I do um (laughs) as a career right now but it's like they're like clearly she does so like let her let her run with it so that's kind of been like our support yeah, for the past few years of, of just like, mm. I trust you or like you clearly like know what you're doing. Um, so yeah, I've been very fortunate in that regards of, of them not really holding me back. I'm sure it would have been different if I had a few like hard years of like not yeah. not being able to, uh, you know, make a living or pay for rent or, or yeah. for bills. Um, so I've been really fortunate in, in that regards. It's interesting because I just realized your parents have two entrepreneur daughters because your sister yeah. also has her, her own business that's yeah. kind of cool that they they're very supportive on that end yeah I think similarly too with my sister yeah they let her like do her thing and um hopefully it's not too rare but definitely I know the stereotype of you know Asian parents being pretty strict and yeah. hard in some ways too it's it's kind of how I'm built and my sister's probably built too of like, oh, we have to like make them proud. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, almost yeah, like yeah. innately, you know, even if, yeah. even if we don't feel that pressure, it's like, oh, like I, I got to succeed. So, yeah, I think that's also kind of drove like drove us um, to just keep, you know, moving and keep going forward. Have you always shown that go-getter side since you were young? Since like even when your parents weren't sure, they're were like, oh, but trusting in your vision or trusting that you'll figure it out. Like, was that always a part of you? Yeah, I think like probably more so in high school, I started developing that. Mm-hmm. Like I've always been really like shy. Oh, it's, See, I would yeah. have known that as a Tongzai. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's, I was always a kid in school that was like, just put me in the back corner. Like don't mm. call on me. Like, cause I, I also don't like public speaking, which is something I'm working on and developing. But in, in like ninth grade, I saw an opportunity to be a ball girl for the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. the other. I was so jealous that you were the ball girl because I love them. <laughs> that's right. That's my first. Yeah. But so I was like so determined. I was like, well, yeah. okay, how do, I, how do I become a ball girl? So then I started like researching and it was like, oh, you actually just have and like I found the process. It's like you have to go to their basketball camp. And then from there, like you get an application. Um, mm. And so I signed up to be go to the basketball camp uh went through the camp and you know I like playing basketball too so it was like cool yeah went through the camp got the application form submitted it and then I I got chosen and once I got that I would like drive downtown by myself so I was like 16 at the time like I had my driver's license I would drive to the games by myself go work drive back home and stuff like that so I didn't know this until like recently because my parents actually like mentioned it they were like oh yeah like when Mina was in high school like in 10th grade or whatever like they were super impressed that like I took the Mm. initiative of like figuring out like how do I get to this point and just like going for it so that's kind of like my earliest memory of like yeah really taking like oh I can like 
take it into my hands and like mm-hmm. just go do it and like try to so I think from there that's kind of like I don't know that that was more memorable in terms of like taking that initiative and taking yeah. that control yeah and going for it I think that really resonates with me because I think one I only know you in the church capacity too which is like sometimes we feel a little more alive in that capacity or more like ourselves but I was mm-hmm. also like a super shy girl in school right and kind mm-hmm. of like a lot more reserved which I think a lot of times my friends at church would be surprised to hear that but yeah I think just hearing like the initiative you did take and you know being able to like you don't have to be the outspoken one or like things like that like you can still make your dreams a reality even if it's a ball girl in that age I think that's like really important for us to hear and so that really resonates with me too yeah no for sure maybe it's just people don't go that extra step to like putting themselves out there um and yeah, even in my like shy self, I was like, oh, I'll do it. And like, and granted, like when I reflect about my time, even as a ball girl, I was definitely still very shy. Like I yeah, was like, yeah. you know, within the group of ball kids, <laughs> I was still very <laughs> much like, I don't know who you guys are. And like, I'm just here to do a job and like yeah. whatnot. So like, yeah, definitely I would have approached it differently now. Um, yeah, I think at that time I was just like, oh yeah, like there's an opportunity. Let's try it. Let's try to Did figure you ever, it out. Um talk to Dirk or touch him <laughs> uh I mean we Not wouldn't have like yeah we wouldn't have like full-on conversations yeah like, you know we'd obviously just just like we're helping them warm up yeah um but yeah not not like hey how's your how's, how's your, your life home? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you were in the vicinity so that's that's another yeah I remember just yeah. being like oh my gosh Minon is so cool and she's near Dirk um <laughs> but yeah so I guess like fast forwarding right and that same type of mindset and attitude of like kind of putting things into your own hands and letting them actually come into fruition we are here today where you're a co-founder of Crispy Chicken and I would just love to hear like kind of what that moment was it sounds like it was already in a lot of pre-planning stages with ricardo when you were still working but when did y'all realize like this was something that's actually gonna be your whole time your full-time job yeah so like like what i was saying when i was working at the rams um and i was working on crispy chicken on the side i was like there was a moment when like suddenly there were like multiple people like inbound asking about needing help and then mm. we already had, so MTV was our first client and we already had that gig, but then it was like, oh, we had this one client and then we're getting other people interested. And so that was a moment when I was like, I think if I dedicated more time to this, it can grow faster. And it was one of those moments too, where and I, I think a lot of millennials feel this, maybe not so much Gen Z, but where you kind of feel like if you're at a job, you want to give them at least two years or like three mm-hmm. years before yeah. you like go to another job. So I was only there, I think, for like eight months. And so I kind of had this like feeling where like I would love to give them another year, you know, obviously because I just got there. But then the other side of my brain was like, what would a year of me being at the Rams do for me? I would be at the same position. I would probably be the same pay, maybe a little bit of raise. The skill set, you know, would pretty much be the same as well of like what I'm doing. Or if I spent that year working on this business, like I would have probably exponentially been able to yeah. give it more and, and grow it more. And so that ultimately helped me make that decision too of like being okay with stepping away even though I've only been there for less than a year of just really trying to put, okay, like what's 
the best use of my time and and figuring that out. So that was kind of like that moment of like deciding, like, I want to go full time. We have Mm -hmm. some momentum going. We have people interested. Let's dedicate more time to help help it grow faster. So, yeah, that's that's how it all started. It was very scary, though. It wasn't it doesn't (laughs) wasn't as easy as maybe I made that sound. Um, What were those fears, like the biggest fears about starting a business and having to like overcome those fears? Yeah, I think it was a lot of it was the instability of it because like we started this bootstrapped, which means we didn't have any investors or we didn't have any like capital Mm. to start with. Like we were literally building our salaries off of like sales, like what we were getting. Right. So, I mean, if you talk to Ricardo, he was eating like ramen every day. And even when we started, like we took a pretty big pay cut so that we can like obviously save money because again, we're just bringing in what what we sell. So a lot of it was kind of just like, oh, I wonder if we can keep getting clients to come in so that we can have a steady paycheck. I don't know. I think a part of it is all obviously the fear of failure is always there of like, oh, what if I, did I just leave a job, you know? And they were going to Super Bowl that year too. And so, oh. um, right. So it's like, that was, you know, the, you're leaving a good team that yeah. has a pretty good future and a stable job, a stable income for something that's totally like, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. So I think ultimately I was like, I'm not getting any younger. I don't have kids or really big expenses in that regards and so like if I'm going to suffer for yeah now's the <laughs> time bit, to suffer right yeah I think it, it was a good opportunity to do mm. to try that risk and to go for it so what does like the beginning stages of building or starting a business look like then man it's a lot of just like you don't know you're just like <laughs> I, I think you kind of start looking at what other people are doing. You're like, okay, I think we need to build a deck. And then you start writing a deck and then you're like, okay, I think it looks like they do a lot on their social media. Should we be doing stuff on our social media? And like, it's a lot of, yeah, just figuring it out on the go. And it really is truly, no one knows what they're doing. Yeah. With us, it was literally like, we just, were just trying our best because none of us started a business before. And so even like, taxes setting up the business and all that kind of stuff like we're we're so green to it and like we had no idea until we got a letter in the mail you know from the city of LA LA being like you guys got to pay this tax and we're like oh we didn't realize this was a thing you know like it's literally like as things would come up we would learn so yeah a lot of it was just like you just try out trial and error and then things pop up and then you learn about it and then you keep going um so it's pretty messy it's pretty Yeah, I think it's like pretty the, chaotic. Yeah, the numbers portion would scare me away from building a business of any kind. But but I'm glad it wasn't something that was like too heavy to like deal with. Yeah, yeah, it becomes it's pretty wild. Like once you get into it, and then you realize how many things that you have to sign up for or you have to register or or like you have to like keep in mind from the get-go it's just kind of like oh yeah let's just start let's just sell our service and it's like cool and then like what it does it take to actually start selling and making money it can get pretty overwhelming so I think for me it was maybe ignorance of like starting it and Mm. maybe that helped with the yeah of like (laughs) yeah if I knew all that stuff going into it maybe that would have Uh, deterred me a little bit more but because Mm -hmm. I didn't know and I was just like yeah let's do it that like it just kind of was more natural if that makes sense so you started crispy chicken with Ricardo in 2018 and then Mm -hmm. I'm sure like right that's it takes time to build and like feel Mm -hmm. a little bit 
settled, if that's the word. But then what I'm assuming, and this is all assumption right now and from like things I've tried to read about crispy chicken is I'm assuming when you kind of were getting settled is when the pandemic happened. Yeah. So can you like take us back to kind of all of that? Because it seems like right right now it's like actually the pandemic was a time where you guys ended up really thriving and kind of being featured in different ways. But Mm -hmm. I'm sure it wasn't like all like that at the beginning. And I feel like there would have been a lot of new fears. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like the February before the pandemic hit, so like a month before, we actually got a bigger office and then we had our first two employees. So we were like, okay, this is a new chapter of Crispy Chicken. Like we're doing the thing. And we were actually working on a tour, a comedy tour, a pretty big one. And that, so we were helping out with that. We had like this cool like brick and mortar that was opening in Santa Monica that we were working on. Like we we were like, okay, like we're we found our footing. We're gonna go shoot some stuff too. And then of course the pandemic happened. The tour gets canceled. The brick and mortar goes under because obviously oh. everything was closed. And so there was a minute there when we we're like, you know, when everyone thought this was just like for two weeks. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah after the two weeks, you know, some of our clients were pausing we were like oh man like did we just totally like lose you know this business too right like how how are we gonna shift but fortunately like a lot of people were starting podcasts at the time and they needed help with like putting that together at that time it was like a lot of media companies who we were already working with right like we were working with mtv and vh1 like since they weren't shooting new seasons they had to then repurpose what they had like currently and so we're like repurposing Mm -hmm. masters and it's like cool give us your content and we'll make new memes or we'll make like new content that's still like relatable to like what's going on today so that's really kind of how we started thriving was like we already knew that side of the business outside of creating new content and so people started to kind of rely on us of like hey like how do we keep surviving like on our social channels during this kind of dead period of not having new content and not being able to shoot new content. So yeah, so ironically, after a few months of like, oh, are we, how are we going to even, yeah, how are we going to get new business too? Like we can't do networking anymore, like the way we used to. So yeah, we ended up thriving, finding new clients still within it. And then we were able to really like double, triple like our staff today. Yeah, from the start of the pandemic. So yeah, again, super fortunate because obviously it was not like that for a lot of industries what does what do your services like actually offer yeah. to all if you were to explain to your parents or a <laughs> listener that doesn't know much about marketing or the creative side like what is it that crispy chicken offers to their clients yeah. and like it sounds like it's very very versatile in what you guys can can give yeah so basically we specialize in organic social media so there's organic social media and paid social media ah. paid social media is basically the people that run ads on like instagram yeah. facebook right that you get served and organic social media is basically like the content that just naturally you'll see in on these platforms, right? Like if you follow Nike on Instagram, it's basically the posts that they make on their, their feed that aren't, you know, promoted. Um, mm, yeah. So we really specialize in building communities, again, organically. Um. So like you're actually trying to get people to be fans of your page or like have conversations and like have them 
kind of build that relationship. So in that sense, like our services are anywhere from social strategy. What is your goals? Is it to grow in followers? Is it is it to then like, you know, convert mm-hmm. and have them buy something, et cetera, and really building out that roadmap. We also offer like social media management. So actually like building out a calendar and like, you know, what is the content going out each day? What is the copy? And then actually like publishing and then like interacting, you know, with with commenters. And then the third real big bucket is the content creation. So what is the con- mm-hmm. what is the actual content going on these platforms? And then shooting it, editing, design, graphic design, etc. So we basically cover the whole process of organic social media. So- I feel like that sounds so much cooler because it's like you build community and you have kind of like that relational aspect, even in the ways that you do the work. But it also sounds like a lot more work too, because you have to know fully, you know? Yeah. It's a slower grind where it's like, yeah, it obviously takes time, right? To build a relationship like in real life too with people, but it definitely is more fun, I think, because it's, it's, it is a little bit, you're tapping into psychology and like you're, you're tapping into like, what do people actually want to share you know on their ig story from instagram or like share from tiktok rather than constantly just like how do i get people to buy something it's more so like how do i like get people to actually enjoy following these accounts so it's more fun in that regards of like trying to figure that out i read in one of the articles that you guys were featured in that you know even your your guys' identities as people of color and being able to be a bridge um to some some of your clients who don't know how to engage Mm. Um, with certain communities how does that feel to be able to use that as like a really big strength in your work and Mm. and just being able to kind of represent communities even with the ways that you you guys strategize yeah I mean it's it's funny because I think as like POC like you'll see some companies post something and you're like isn't it obvious that this was like not a good post you know I don't know yeah. if you've seen that. <laughs> like you're like it's 2022 and people are still like brands or people are still making this mistake right obviously for us I think it could be more commonplace of like I think we're a bit more sensitive to like you know how certain things are you know said language wise or just like to perception right and so really for us like we've been very fortunate to like work with a a lot of diverse clients so the work that we do for them is very much like we're speaking to certain communities and so yeah we are able to have that kind of lens from being POC and uh, and our staff also being diverse as well to be able to be like okay are we saying this incorrectly or like is this offensive etc so I think we're just I guess extra sensitive (laughs) in that regards and that maybe other like agencies wouldn't it wouldn't be as top of mind for them right so yeah I think in that sense like you know we hope to be as aware as and as sensitive to you know whichever community we're we're talking to mm-hmm. but yeah it's it is interesting that you would think it's a little bit more obvious but I, I still think there's a lot that people uh and brands need to learn and I mean we're still learning right. too obviously like it's right. not like you're never not learning um so yeah it's it's been it's been great though in, in terms of like we work with great clients and they're very collaborative in that sense too with us. So you said you tripled your staff number. What is it like being, because before it's just like, it's just like you and Ricardo yeah. kind of like, I'm assuming like more like buddies and like, you know, collaborating and things. Yeah. And now like you're suddenly in charge of people and, you know, their own livelihood in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so how have you kind of grown as like a boss? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty strange. Um, 
yeah like I think like because you're right like it it was very much just like me and Ricardo we just have to figure out how how do we eat are we okay with this pay cut are we okay with raising like we didn't really have to like have someone above us say yes or no in that regards and I think also being a good employer is very hard and I also understand this Mm -hmm. coming from you know working at corporate places Mm -hmm. and you know the general stigma that like working you know in corporate America is is not fun and like employers aren't on your side etc so we've been very sensitive in that regards when we started hiring employees of like how do we make sure that we don't fall into the same trap or like the same system as like where we came from right where like people Mm -hmm. are scared at their job or like feel like they can't open up to their supervisors or like have like discussions or transparency so we've been very vocal with them from the start of just like hey like you know let's have this open communication like let's let's try to be good bosses and also really think of them as humans too right so i think it's it was the process has been very much finding a fine line between the business needs and also just being a human and like being able to make sure you know that they're not being burnt out or they're happy or if they do have any needs that we'll we'll hear them out while also yes i do understand why some employers make the decisions that they need to make because at the end of the day you have to have you know hit certain margins etc so I think it's, it's been an interesting journey of finding that balance of like we're here not to just have fun but like we're running a business right and we're we want to make sure everyone's happy and like yeah it's been a it's been an interesting journey in that regards okay so if you had to reflect now that you're here like one what are some things you might have done differently back when you guys were in the startup phase mm-hmm. And what were like one or two very clear events when you were like, let's stop crispy chicken? Or- yeah. So one thing that I wish I was or I could have changed when we first started, I think probably just being more vocal about asking for help, you know, especially going to something that we've never done before. I don't know. I, I think it's like I don't want to be a burden onto other people, even though like yeah. usually people want to help or they, mm-hmm. you know, they're happy to help. But I don't know, I always feel like I'm, yeah, asking too much or like, yeah, feeling that burden. So a lot of times, like we were just, again, just trying to figure it out on our own. Like we didn't, we didn't talk to a lot of people. We didn't ask a lot of questions. We didn't have mentors. We still kind of don't have mentors, which we're trying to figure out. But like, yeah, so, but yeah, definitely like it's, it's been, I think I would have asked definitely more questions early on, talk to more people get their like viewpoints of like how they started their business, et cetera. And yeah, and just ask for more, for more help because we would just take it on ourselves and then just like figure it out ourselves. And that obviously doesn't leave you in a good position a lot of times of just feeling overwhelmed or am I doing this right? Because you're not talking to anyone about it. Yeah, I think that kind of ties into like the fear of failure of like what I was talking about yeah. before of just like, I didn't want to fail and also like publicly fail too, right? If you talk, if you talk about it more out, outwardly, yeah. like, then you kind of have it becomes that, real, right? Yeah, you have that public accountability, I guess. Um, mm. Which again, I think is just more internalized of like people. Yeah. You think people are like judging you about if your business did fail, when in reality they probably aren't. Like they probably aren't like thinking that things. So yeah, I think I think a lot of that was just like in my head at the time. I was just like ask for help. People are, people are there. And then I guess for your second question of like times when I wanted to quit, surprisingly more so in this 
recently, like the past two years, like with the pandemic, mm. has been a lot of like challenges. I think it's interesting when a business does get bigger and get more successful, there is more headaches and there there are more things that pop up that you're like, wait a second. I don't know. I guess maybe it's a little naive to say, but like Ricardo and I started this business not because we had some grand plan of like, we're going to get acquired or we're going to do this or like become millionaires. We were like, frankly, we're just like, let's make fun content. Like we want to make content and we want to be our own bosses. Like that was literally like, we had no five-year plan. We had no, like mm. when people ask us, that, we're just like, oh, I guess we should think of a five-year plan. Right. Um, it was literally like, I just want to make fun content with my friend and like, hopefully we can make money and like that can be sustain us. Right. So when bigger problems started to arise and when it gets further away from that initial purpose of like, oh, I just want to make fun content. And it becomes more like, oh, now you got to talk to attorneys or you got to like, you have this issue that pops up that is out of your control. And you're like, is this all of this like hardship that's coming with it worth it? Right. Right. Um, So it was was a lot of moments like that in the past few years of like, man, like I just started this to make memes. What am I (laughs) what am I doing here? Like talking to like multiple attorneys or like, you know, trying to figure out this this solution that like you got pulled into that. You're like, what? Like, why? So, yeah, I think that was a hard bridge of like, okay, is this worth it? Right. And like, frankly, we're still relatively a small business. Right. So I could only imagine, you know, if we get bigger and like the scale gets bigger and more money comes in and more targets are on your back, what does that road look like? So yeah, it still is daunting to even think about like, what does the future look like in in that regards? But I think ultimately, yeah, you just have to love what you're doing and hope that the rewards of it is worth, I think, the hardship of going through it. I just feel like you guys went through so much just even though it's like, oh, crispy chicken has gotten better. And like you guys have been blessed over the pandemic in terms of like the ways you've been able to use your services for clients. It's like, yeah, that comes with a lot of things that I can't imagine. Yeah. The headache of of all of that. Yeah. It's just again, it's just a lot of like finding solutions to things that you're just like. Have you been able to like find some sense of closure in that in yeah here or I think in some regards yes and no like we're still in the growth phase like that yeah. like we need to like keep growing to be able to kind of help navigate a little bit of that more like I'm still very much in charge of like payroll or like forecasting mm. and like I'm not a financial advisor like professionally <laughs> right like they're smarter people surely that know what they're doing than me so there's there's still areas where I'm like I would love to get this off my plate because it's not my expertise mm. and like in that too it brings anxiety right like if you're doing something that you're not totally sure of <laughs> brings a lot of anxiety yeah so yeah there's definitely still areas that like I want to tweak and be able to be like, cool, like we have enough money to be able to like hire someone, you know, full time to help release those responsibilities. But yeah, I think in the most part, like every experience does make you grow and learn something. So in that regards, I feel like, oh, yeah, the next time this happens or whatever, I'm more confident or like I understand the process. So, yeah, I think in some ways there is some closure, but not full closure because you're always going to be learning and you're always going to have new things pop up. So gosh good luck (laughs) sorry that's all I can say thank you I appreciate Um, it yeah (laughs) well let's talk about you know the fact that you guys did reach a million dollars and you had that crazy post that just was even like through that video which was a very like simple video with Ricardo and Mm -hmm. in that moment um I could 
feel a lot of emotion mm. and just clearly like a lot of hardships that you guys endured to get there. So I just kind of like want you to take us back to that moment. Like what did that feel like? What thoughts went through your head? Yeah. Um, just to see that. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Like it was weird because like we weren't even forecasted to hit a million dollars last year. Oh wow! Yeah, which again, whereas we were totally blessed um, and had a really strong like back half of the year, which is why we weren't really we didn't see it coming (laughs) in that regard. So yeah, I was crunching the numbers because again, I'm the financial person right now. Yeah, and so I was like doing the math. I was like updating it, and I was like. I think we hit a million this year. I think we got it. And so that was a moment when obviously in that video too that I posted, it hit Ricardo first. He was comprehending it first Mm. than me. Because for me, I was just like crunching numbers and I was like in in the zone. And then when he started tearing up, my brain was like, oh, wait, this is a bigger moment. Let me let me pause and kind (laughs) of like stop working and just like kind of, which again is is an issue I think a lot of entrepreneurs have is like stopping and really processing because there's so many things like on your list to do that you're just like, like, okay, cool. On to the next, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was a moment where I was like, oh, I should like probably like stop and try to reflect what this means. But it's really hard even now to like really process of like what that success and what that milestone means. But like clearly, you know, we went from starting this without any money. So to be able to like build this to the point of being able to get a million dollars in sales, like is crazy to think about. And, yeah. you know, it was like, yeah, like I mentioned, we went through a lot, you know, these past few years of a pandemic and like everything else mental health that yeah it was one of those moments where just like yeah like I can't believe we did it and holy crap so yeah it was a lot of just processing you know we stuck through it we didn't quit when we were able to grow this thing and hit that milestone but yeah I think I think it still is pretty hard to process because also we're in it day to day yeah I think it was really easy like when we posted it we got a, such an outpouring of love, which is like amazing to see. But probably also because like a lot of people didn't know that we were like hitting or yeah. close to a million. Whereas we're in it day to day that it's just like a little bit more like, oh, yeah, cool. We made like another deal or like we're adding that in. So it was a little bit more of a slower, I guess, process of us realizing like, oh, my gosh, like we're on to something rather than like the day to day of it. It's like, oh, we get this project. Cool. We got money. But now we have to figure out how to execute it. Right. And so it's it's constantly right. constantly in that kind of mental cycle. Um, so it is nice to actually like stop and celebrate your wins instead of just like it's a, this is another problem that I gotta like figure out right. <laughs> And, yeah. and not being able to really process that. It's true because like when you get those big numbers, I don't realize that in your mind, then you have to suddenly troubleshoot or like, what do you do with there? How do you execute that? And so yeah. there are all these thoughts that immediately flood back. And I feel like I've, I've known a lot of friends that are slowly trying to do their own business or a side hustle a business and and then they're coming to a point now where they're like oh my gosh crap like it's it's actually been going great which is like I'm like you should be happy yeah. but then it's like no but that means like I have to find this legal person and I have to be the one that pays for some intern guy yeah like, it's just int- yeah it's like there is definitely that headache side that we don't get to realize because we it's kind of it's like the highlight reel we get to celebrate the one million dollars but then it's like wow there's actually going to be a lot with that yeah yeah it's not like you're winning the lottery and then you just can do whatever you want with that money right it's like yeah you're selling a service and now you then have to like figure out how do you execute that service so you're happy to win big business but then you're like oh now I gotta make sure they're happy or if it's a new client like you gotta prove yourself and like that you were worth it or like whatnot so there becomes a lot of like that kind of imposter syndrome or 
just like yeah. insecurities of like okay now I gotta like actually perform and live up to yeah. expectations or whatnot but yeah it is nice to celebrate the wins and try try to take it yeah. in and yeah and I'm glad you paused and took that moment to record I think it's it was a very like cool boss thing to do <laughs> You kind of brought up, you know, one of the words I want to talk about with Korean Americans, but just in general with the hustle of of a lot of us today, like um, we struggle with different things. And I just wanted to ask if any of these did resonate with you in terms of perfectionism, imposter syndrome, which you just mentioned, or burnout or all three and all of the above mm-hmm. type of thing. What resonates with you and how do you put systems in place to almost combat that? Yeah, I mean, all three definitely resonate Definitely perfectionism and I feel like burnout for me kind of go hand in hand and really just having strong boundaries, I think, on both of both accounts. Like for perfectionism, like I am very like meticulous about like the things I make and like the things that, you know, we make for our clients. But ultimately, like I had to learn, I have to delegate, you know especially as you get bigger, it's like, I can't do it. There's only 24 hours every day. Like I can't do everything. And being able to say, it's okay if it's not up to like, whatever my personal standard is, like, again, like everyone is subjective too, right? In terms of content. And so yeah, just really just learning the boundaries of like, I can only take X amount of work. So like, you're going to have to be okay, letting go and like working through that mm. and yeah that also led to a lot of burnout right like in the early stages of just like i i'm taking on too much or it has to be perfect in my eyes yeah so i feel like that those two kind of go hand in hand with me um in my experience with imposter syndrome it's funny like i thought i was over imposter syndrome and then like it'll come back again because you're just dealing with new things all the time yeah whenever I don't know. It's it's just something I think that like I have to like mentally just remind myself and and think positively and talk positively to yourself of like hey like I've handled something like this before. You know, you're good yeah. at facing new challenges, like things it'll be okay. Like so yeah, I've been working with my therapist specifically about like trying to retrain how I'm speaking to myself. Mm. And I think that really, you know, Obviously, I'm working on that too. Yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think a lot of us we're just super hard on ourselves. Um, yeah. And we just, you know, we really are our worst critic mm. and like our harshest critic, and we're just like constantly beating us, beating up ourselves. And so, yeah, I think it's like how do we train ourselves to like think more positively and nicely to ourselves? Yeah. 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 I just looked up INFJ strengths and weaknesses <laughs> and one of the, I think it's a good thing too, but they wrote like perfectionistic yeah. and prone to burnout. Yeah. That's I, I'm living that I am a living. But also all the strengths are really cool. Right. Cause like you're super creative and insightful. And it said like INFJs have an ability to like make their dreams, like actually step into reality mm-hmm. with active steps. And it's like so clear that that's something you've been able to do with all of these big ideas. Since yeah. Ball Girl. It really sums me up to a T I think like in, in the pros and cons, like it's trying to find the balance between the two now is the fun yeah. side of life. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my sister is also an INFJ. I don't know if you ever knew that. Oh, I didn't know that. I feel like INFJs are so rare, but I like know so many because I must just know so many great. Attract ones, you know? all the <laughs> INFJs. But yeah, I should yeah. talk to her about that. 
if I can ask like on a tangent, like when did you start therapy and like how has that just like helped you in your processing? Because yeah, being your own self critic, worst critic, and even me, like when I I, I want to reflect more on a different episode on just my like mm. therapy journey as well, but kind of like allowing that to be normalized in the space. Um, how has that been for you? Um, I started therapy really consistently at the end of 2020. Um, mm. earlier in 2020, like during the pandemic, I tried like, uh, I think it was better help, like one um, of the online ones, but yeah. I personally didn't have the best experience with it. Like my therapist was kind of like not the best I felt. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, so I ended that. And then I actually found one that was like, you know, outside of the, the online kind of their therapy, uh, platforms, I guess I was lucky. Like the first person that I reached out to really vibed with her and like, I was like, okay, like I feel mm. kind of safe in, in terms of being able to like, you know, share my path and my and my thoughts and, and whatnot. So yeah, I've been with her a little bit over a year, a full like 15 months, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's been super helpful, even though like it's answers you already know sometimes. And I, yeah. I find it really funny because like it, it does kind of feel like a teacher is talking to like a little kid sometimes <laughs> when she's like, so mm-hmm. how, like, what, what would you think if this happened this way? And then you're just like, oh, it would be like this. Or like, you're kind of like, <laughs> you know where she's going I with understand. it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but like to actually say it out loud and to have someone yeah. kind of logically help you get there too has been super helpful and like a good reminder of just like oh yeah like duh but like for some reason me in my own head again like I can't process Mm -hmm. it but like for someone else to be able to help you and like also kind of affirm you in that way of just like like you're doing a good job or like you're just being hard on yourself etc has been super helpful to be able to like discuss with another person like candidly Mm -hmm. and just just really be able to because I don't know how many people really have those type of conversations conversations just like on a day-to-day level with your friends or your family members um sometimes it might be too heavy for the situation or you know so to really have an outlet of being able to share really what's whatever's on your mind and then dig deeper into like why that is and not just settle for like oh it's uh it's just the way I am or I just avoid it or like yeah yeah and really like digging in and like working on it like why why is this a thing or like you know you can don't have to just accept it and then walk away right yeah I highly encourage it but yeah I do think it it takes a good uh therapist match for it to like yeah yeah definitely yeah because same I I didn't like my first match either so I Mm. think that's important because sometimes people can just see it didn't work let's just not do it but but being like committed to even the process of finding a match would, would be a huge payoff it sounds like for both of us yeah for sure Okay, what would you say to someone who feels like their best work is behind them? Yeah. Ooh, that's tough because I feel like I feel that in my bones sometimes too. I'm like, am I too <laughs> am I getting too old for this? Or <laughs> I-, I know you have to stay trending also with like everything. That's like a whole like how do you yeah. stay in the know? I'm weirdly very in tune with Gen Z, even though I am my body is like <laughs> please go to bed at 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think like speaking on like we're hard on ourselves, like yeah. I, I think as human beings and it's something that I'm looking forward to in the future too is like learning new skills and learning new things that you're good at, right? If you think you are past your prime on like a certain task, like I don't know. I feel like we sometimes like build our whole lives around I'm a good 
doctor or I'm a good content creator. So like, I don't, I stop making money, you know, from being a content creator. I feel like my life is done or like, I don't have a purpose, yeah. right? Almost. Whereas, no, I think like just keeping an open mind that like, there could be a totally new thing or a new skill that you're interested in that you didn't know that you're interested in because you were so consumed with content creation or like, you know, you just never had the opportunity to even like try a different area and that you discover new interests and new passion. I'm, you know, curious to see where my life takes me in that regards as I get older of like, hey, maybe I'm just like really good at playing bingo. Like, you know, <laughs> with all the older, older millennials, like, you know, as we get old, right? Like just having an open mind and really being open to new opportunities and new areas that maybe you're closed off to before but I think also just like maybe working through the thoughts of like being ageist too right like if you do yeah. feel like you're past your prime but it's, it's kind of like to whose standards right um even with like being a tiktoker I know people always talk about it's a gen z thing but there's a lot of older like people on tiktok yeah. that are crushing it so I think, yeah, again, I think it's sometimes the limitations that we're putting on ourselves versus what's actually possible. That's true. Kind of how do you keep your ideas and goals fresh if you want to share in a different way? But the way I've kind of been attracted to know about this answer from you is the creative retreats that you go on mm -hmm. and that you've posted on your social medias. What does that look like? I, I know you take some friends with you mm -hmm. and then like you guys seem to be secluded somewhere. Yeah. But I've always <laughs> just been like, I wonder what they're doing there, you know, and like, and how do you actually practice sparking that creativity back into you we're just eating snacks for 90 percent <laughs> of it is snacks and naps um i guess the first question of like how do i keep my ideas fresh that's a hard question that i don't even know if i have an answer for that for the most part i just try to get inspired by other people and like watch what other people are doing and like see if that spurs an idea. A lot of it is collaboration too, of just like bouncing off ideas with another teammate or whatnot. Cause I, I found myself too, like, you know, making stuff by myself. I was always like, didn't want to share a script with someone. I think again, kind of just like, it's not good enough or whatever, you know, you kind of just do things by yourself. But no, I really, really found, I, I find it joyful to work with other people. Mm -hmm. And then that naturally, for the most part, if you, f again, find the right people, like it will make your ideas better and it will keep it fresh. Um, for the creative retreats, so it's usually me and a couple of friends, two to three friends. And we try to just go out of the city because I think a lot of the times too, like noise pollution and there's just like a lot of yeah there's you get overstimulated a lot and just being on screens a lot too so we try to go somewhere like to the mountains or to the desert that's just quiet and then you're able to kind of like reflect normally too we like delete our social media apps so that we're not distracted about yeah just scrolling and then yeah we try to set a few items we don't keep it too structured in that sense of like you know from two to three we have to do this it's more so like hey like let's do a creative writing session where or we'll just like think of a prompt and just write it in 60 seconds and see what happens, right? Or we'll do watercoloring or arts and crafts or shoot photos and whatnot. So yeah, it's really just a time to kind of disconnect from the world a bit. And also like, yeah, maybe try a creative exercise that I normally don't do on a day-to-day. -day. Like I don't really do creative writing. So to be able to tap into that side of my brain is again, kind of like exercising new muscles or different muscles that you don't get to really use uh, every day. So that's basically it is just trying to get a little bit detached from the world and try to do creative activities that are fun, that 
you might not normally get to do. And the other friends that you go with, they are also committed to the fact that this is a creative retreat yeah. for, for themselves. It's, it's mm-hmm. a great. I usually go with my friend uh, Ariel, who's a photographer. Mm-hmm. Colleen, she's a writer for the LA Times. Mm-hmm. And then my other friend Rachel, she does like skits and she's a She's like host. in your shorts, right? Yeah, yeah. She's a, she acts, she's a host. And all she the does, different ones. She does all of it. So yeah, so they are innately also doing creative things like in their jobs but again it kind of gives us a different outlet of using yeah Yeah. being creative differently yeah do you try to make that a yearly thing or is it just like Mm -hmm. is that too much pressure to be like every year we should do a creative retreat you know yeah since it is like not supposed to be this structured thing we wanted it to be a yearly thing sometimes it goes a little bit longer than a year but also because we went through a pandemic it was a little bit harder to (laughs) get it organized but yeah we try to do it once a year time of year is always a little bit different and location is we're open-ended of like where we want to go but yeah for the most part we just keep it like friday to sunday and then like Mm. have a fun time on saturday and yeah and sunday and and then yeah and then go back to work (laughs) to life (laughs) go back to the real world what would be one piece of advice from someone that's trying to stand out in such a saturated industry i guess it kind of depends on what industry specifically or like what you're trying to do but i think for the most part if you are consistent a and then also b just doing the work i know that sounds really basic but like a lot of the times like you know, people want to start a podcast, right? But mm-hmm. they don't. But you're actually here doing the work, right? You're 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 mm-hmm. putting the effort into it. I think a lot of times people don't put in the effort or they they stop too early. Keep doing your thing, keep adjusting and learning. You know, if one method's not working, tweak it and then go from there and learn. If it starts to work, lean into it. And also frankly, like being a nice human being. <laughs> Yeah, honestly. Yeah, because in today's society, I think like, you know, people want to work with nice humans. And if you're if you do your job well, being a nice human will definitely put you over the top versus, you know, other people. So it seems so like self-explanatory, but it's a reminder I feel like we need. Yeah, yeah. Clearly or not. I don't know if all of us need it, but some of us listening definitely need that reminder. (laughs) Um, So I think that's important for us, too. I think the last question I had was some something I wanted to ask earlier, but kind mm-hmm. of wanted to save it for the end was, you know, like for me, I've actually never moved out of Texas, right? Mm-hmm. And as much as I'd like to say, like, I have like a lot of life experiences and different things like that. There is still like, like a geographical move that I've never really had to mm-hmm. go through. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, like moving out of Texas and especially because Texas has very rooted identities in itself mm-hmm. of how, what it looks like maybe to even be a Korean American in Texas. Yeah. Um, how did moving out like challenge you? and or ultimately like develop you into the identity you carry today yeah because i feel like it it had to have changed i don't know but yeah. if it didn't, that's good too you know? <laughs> like your roots can still be the same but yeah that's kind of a loaded question but something like as a maybe a forever texan is curious about mm. do you want to move out of texas i don't know if you want to I share like, but <laughs> yeah no i feel like maybe i should listen to some of your like i i do feel like we've reached a point where that opportunity is a little bit more narrow like I think one time we wanted 
to move out. I I, I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like now with like Matt being in medical, like in a medical journey, that's harder, I think, to figure out the options. And right. residency would have been a really cool time for us to experience that. Right. But he got matched into Houston, which is a great program, Baylor College of Medicine, which we're really happy about. But we would have like been really excited if he also did North Carolina because it would have been that chance for both of us to kind of live out of Texas. Um, We both did when we were like two years old. Right. But not when we were actual adults. adults. yeah. Yeah. And so I think now, though, it's like, oh, as we have kids, we're like grandparents would be nice yeah. <laughs> like 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 things that like make us justify staying and also things like his practice and like networking first in texas before we may move out later yeah. but since he's about to become a- attending and he's made all his connections in texas like that would be a better start like mm-hmm. things like that so then i know as time progresses the chances will probably become like less and less right. of a reality yeah no I feel you yeah I think for me leaving Texas coming to LA it's definitely opened up my horizons a bit in terms of you know not only diversity but just like different types of you know careers that were possible for me especially as a creative be in a city where you go to Starbucks and like there's like five people typing on their laptops writing a screenplay was like really Um, inspiring you know in the sense of like oh like people are just out here trying to make things and like make make it I guess in quotes right so yeah I think in that regards it's it's actually helped me get inspiration but also like confidence too of just like you know you kind of work in a I don't know not having like thick skin but like if you are like gonna make it out here, like you you have to kind of step up your game too and like put yourself out there, try things, et cetera. So I think in that regards, environmentally, it's kind of crafted me that way, I guess, the past 10 years of building that confidence and like not being that shy kid anymore and like, mm. you know, really like holding my ground and like being inspired to make and keep making things. So I think that's probably been the biggest thing. And and again, yeah, the diversity factor of just like being able to like, yeah, yeah like have different experiences and have, learn from other people too has been super helpful but it was definitely easier for me than you know than you your situation right now because I was like straight from college and I was like yeah I'm like let's go do it but yeah it is I, I personally really like the city even for all of its faults but um that's initially I think mm-hmm. what made me fall in love with it was just like Oh, like everyone's like like pursuing their dreams and, and trying things. But yeah, it's it's tough. It's hard for me to imagine not to be in LA too in the long term. But I'm also trying not to close off of like, oh, what if there's yeah. an opportunity somewhere else um, and, and go from there. Anything else you want to share before we stop talking about your, your job? Oh, man, I feel like I shared a lot, almost too much. Sorry, guys, if anyone's like, man, she's talking a lot. But <laughs> No, it was good. It was really good. <laughs> no, I mean, if anyone is in that world right now and, and happy to have more mm-hmm. discussions or like, you know, hit me up, DM me or whatnot, like happy to help in, in whatever. But with boundaries. <laughs> yeah, in whatever facet I can, for sure. But yeah. yeah, again, like going back to I wish I asked for more help. I'm throwing that out there here. So yeah happy to help in mm. whatever capacity I, I can. Do you guys, do you want to plug any of your socials for the few people that <laughs> listen to it? That's what people do in some podcasts. Like, where can people find you? Oh. But also boundaries, so you don't have to. Nah, nah. I mean, uh, I'm on, I'm mainly most active on Instagram. 
but I am on mm-hmm. Twitter too, but uh, it's at MinaPark117 on Instagram. Or if you want to go to our, our company's website, it's uh, crispychicken.co. Spelled just like how you would normally spell crispy chicken. I know a lot of people spell like K-R-I, like they think we're like a uh, unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. literally, yeah, C-R-I-S-P-Y, crispychicken.co. And for the listeners, it's because y'all were eating crispy chicken? Yeah. When y'all... yeah we were uh it was our first dinner of like should we do this should Mm. we make a business and then um we were trying to think of names you know we were doing the initials like trying to think of like what other agencies are called and then ultimately it was like oh let's get the crispy chicken sandwich like what if we were called crispy chicken and like started (laughs) laughing and then no one had it in california and it wasn't trademarked and so shocking yeah so we ended up doing it and it worked out Love it. Okay, you can find her there. Um, if you want to know a little bit more about Minani here, I have a few questions. What are three words that define you beyond CEO of Crispy Chicken? Oh, three words? Or it can be like phrases, I guess. Huh, that define me outside. Uh, hopefully lighthearted. I feel like I mm. generally take, I don't take things too seriously. Hopefully empathetic. I probably cry a a lot <laughs> more oh. than you think that I do but yeah I wouldn't I don't know why I wouldn't think that yeah but that's I don't know yeah I have a lot of feelings um yeah. <laughs> and then probably just passionate I think I I think yeah. passion drives me a lot so yeah and if you had to be a fruit oh. what fruit would you be and why Ooh, maybe a blueberry because it's oh. uh good for you and but it's still sweet. And <laughs> I, I did not, I don't think I sent you this question in advance. Yeah, I'm just, I realized I'm just, I'm just going off. Well, of Jaden's favorite fruits are blue, blue, blueberries. So clearly they're important. Oh, that's good. Lives. Nice. Just like, just like you are. Oh, thanks. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to close it out with, it's not really a game. I just thought of it right before we got on, Uh-oh. but like, you know, cause you're, like one of your defining things was music and that's actually kind of like something I knew you as growing up. So just um, giving you like six categories and tell me what song it would be. Oh God. <laughs> just, <it> may... <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll see. We're just trying to, you know, like understand your musical taste and whatnot. My so. musical taste is all over the place <laughs> right now. Like it's actually right now it's probably like TikTok it's, songs. It's a lot of TikTok <laughs> like... sounds. Yeah, probably. Okay. What's your guilty pleasure song? Ooh, that's tough. Right now, this is this guilty pleasure is also a really funny like word just because it's like, oh, you're yeah. like, why are you ashamed or like yeah. liking <laughs> this song? That's true. It's more like a guilty pleasure movie. Huh. I guess those are like, what about your pleasure song? Your guilty one. Let's just stick with guilty. Yeah, one. I think uh, it was funny. It's weird, like, because Spotify wrapped. I mean, it came out a few months ago, but like, I remember seeing Justin Bieber on there and I was like, is that am I ashamed for being a believer? Believer. Yeah, like even though obviously he makes very good music and he's yeah, a very yeah. good singer. So I don't know, maybe some song from Justin I'll throw in. Some there. Justin Bieber yeah. song. Okay. What's your out on a road trip with your girlfriend song? Ooh, probably some Taylor Swift song. I feel like her music is always a fun like karaoke thing where everyone just knows the words yeah so maybe for now i'll just say the the 10 minute all too well version uh, 
I like don't know many Taylor Swift. Oh, you're just like, oh, not yeah. that I'm not anti or anything. I just like I suck at music, so I'm gonna look up some songs after. What is your like? You want to get out of a difficult time song? Mm-hmm. I listen to "Hard Times" by Paramore, mm. even though the song itself, the lyrics are somewhat sad and like it, it's not really a hopeful song, which I guess is the irony that I would listen to that. But the music is very like poppy like happy so it kind of has the balance of like the lyrics are really mm. like sad but it's a really like uh, upbeat music mm. so something about singing along to that song about hard times but in a cheerful way I don't know it still like makes me yeah because it kind of makes me feel like I'm not alone that someone else is also yeah. like having hard times but like you can dance about it you know what I mean oh I like that what's your we made a million dollar song <laughs> All I do is win, win, win. No matter this. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Honestly. Um, what's your F the haters or F the legal attorneys? Oh, man. F the haters song. Man, now, now I'm just going into the, the TikTok sounds. But, you know, the Rihanna's, mm. the you look so dumb right now. That line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just that line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was like one of my heartbreak songs. So oh, really? That's a great, yeah, not a heartbreak, but you know, like F the hater, right. like the guy kind of thing. You're so, so dumb. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and finally, what is your life song? Ooh, you know, it's funny. I don't like have a life song in the sense that it like represents me. Yeah. I just like really like the song always. It's just Coldplay Fix You. Mm. Oh, I think that's one of Matt's favorites too. Yeah, like it's not a life song where it like defines me, I guess. But like, I really like the buildup of that song, and also just like the the lyrics of maybe it falls into my empathetic side of just like yeah, yeah. It's a I can listen to that song all the time. Mm. I feel like Coldplay was like right before my time. Oh, so you're like I don't know that song. Either. <laughs> I just like. Yeah, I just know like Coldplay is a uh, kind of like a Switchfoot vibe. No. Yeah, yeah. I can, yeah. Is that a disservice? Okay. I can see similarities there. Yeah, you should. I mean, you've heard of Fixie, right? Um, I'm pretty sure I have. Oh my gosh. I think it's one of Matt's songs. You... So I'm pretty sure I have. But like, I'm the worst music person ever. Oh. So. Okay. You definitely yeah. need to listen to. That I will song. listen to that okay. one and then the Paramore song. Yeah. I'm interested that's in. a fun song. Because I also like to get in my feels, and I feel like that will help me get out of it in a it's way a that way. still validates it. Yeah. 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 So I feel like I'm excited for that. Okay, well, thank you so much, Mina, and for talking to me for so long. No, I thank you. you. And I feel like I got to learn so much more about you, and I'm rooting for you. And Well, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for listening, and we hope you enjoyed Color Commentary. Woo! Wow, so many of us come from families of small business owners, and we have seen the hard work and endurance that comes with being an entrepreneur firsthand. It's crazy to realize that this passion and hustle is still alive in our generation for so many of us like Mina Onni. From being that shy girl in a big school to now a freaking boss woman of a thriving media company, this is a reminder that you can achieve what you put your mind and heart to. I am rooting for you in your own hustle. Thank you, Mina, for reminding us of the beauty in finding opportunity and just going for it. That shy high school girl in me feels super inspired. Make sure to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 
Go to Kohler Commentary to comment your key takeaways and join the email list to share what you want to hear about next. I would love to know what you want to listen to. Until next time, bye.